0: And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honoured to be joined by Harvey McGuinness and Issa Niafaga. Harvey is a junior at Santa Fe High School, uh, the student school board representative for Santa Fe High School, and is a writer for Santa Fe New Mexican. And Issa is a multimedia artist, a human rights activist, a political cartoonist, and co-creator of Radio Taboo. So, Harvey, welcome. Thank you. And Issa, welcome. Thank you, Rabbi Neil. Thank you for having me. Of course. So Issa, let's start. Can you tell us a little about Radio Taboo? Uh,
1: thank you. Uh, radio Taboo is community radio stations powered by solar energy, and we're based in, in the Republic of Cameroon in West Africa, between Nigeria and Congo. And then we started um, Radio Taboo seven years ago because I came from a rural Cameroon and growing up as a child, I saw a lot of breakout diseases taking people to the cemetery three bodies a day. So after I moved to the U.S., I decided to start a community radio station so people can live better and healthier and kids can have a better education and women can have a very more positive way to how they can have babies because I was raised with many women and my father wasn't around so I think the best thing for us to have a radio station in the village is that women can run the radio and we can have birthdays because I grew up with no birthdays because my mother couldn't read. Wow. So this is why radio is important for us. It's like it's going to school or going to a sacred place, you know. So And we run that by solar energy.
0: That's an extraordinary project. Mm-hmm. And, and Harvey, you've been involved in social justice as well very strongly. For example, you attended the, the March for Our Lives in D.C., and So why did you do that and what was it like there?
2: What struck me, I mean, not just about the March for Our Lives but organization, community activism, all of that as a whole, um, is specifically how much of a voice people have in their own community, something that we might not take into consideration each day but every person really does have their own opportunity to make change Um, in extraordinary ways. And the March for Our Lives was just one massive um, example of that. So my journey kind of began from there in the sense that I attended that and was inspired by the stories of young people um, who I was there with. Uh, When I went down to DC for that, um, I also went with a group from Aztec, New Mexico, uh, which had their own school shooting. So their tales were so harrowing that it was from there that they were an inspiration for me to continue my own line of work
0: and i mean the two of you are, are, are extraordinary gentlemen uh, you're both from very different communities one born in 21st century america the other born in in 1960s cameroon so what is it that brings you two together what's what's connecting you two now i can say is activism
1: and we have in one proverb in africa is that um only mountain cannot meet, so people meet. So, <laughs> I came here some ten years ago, and I was selected to be a part of residency program at the Santa Fe Art Institute, and I decided to stay in Santa Fe. So, it's been ten years, mm-hmm. and I'm very active in the community. So, I teach my work because I also I am also a survivor of uh, persecution as an artist. I was a cartoonist uh, twenty four years ago in Cameroon, and my government changed the law and put a lot of artists and a lot of cartoonists and journalists in prison. So I left and I lived 10 years in Paris. And I never left growing that um, philosophy of changing people's mind and changing something in the society because I believe that uh, we always have a capacity to change something in our society, and there's something that we need to leave behind when we leave
0: this place. And there's a specific project the two of you are working on, isn't there? Do you want to describe that a little?
2: Definitely. Um, so the project we're working on is called Make Change, and it's designed to inspire young people to take a hold of all the resources they have and express their own um, issues in society. So it's important for young people to really understand that they have their own agency. They have their own ability to change what it is that they see is wrong in their community, and this is um, aimed at goading them to that action.
0: I like the idea of goading people towards action. H- how do we do this? Do, do you pull them and say, here's where we are, come and join us? Or do you essentially stand behind and push and say, go out and, and, and do something? What What's your approach to social justice for both of you?
1: I think that we're trying to uh, alert the youth to take action in their daily life because um, as a U.S. citizen, they have a wide range of uh, action that they can take to address the society based on what are, what are the concerns, you know, like for mass shooting, for example for instance, or maybe I don't know, um, young people who have struggling with uh, housing and education. Uh, that's that's the that's the privilege that they need to access, and if they don't have that, they won't be better people. So our approach is just to alert them so they can take action by themselves. We don't want to politicize them. But this is in the constitution of the country that there are many steps they can take to, you know, address the society or the politics that make decisions for them.
0: And Harvey, for you, is it a push or a pull? Is it a go out and do your thing? Or is it a look, follow my example? How do you see this?
2: Personally, I see it as an opportunity for me to be a resource to young people. uh, But simultaneously, I prefer to think of it as I'm on the sidelines encouraging it. Um, I'm not pushing anyone or necessarily pulling anyone to action. But for those that um, want to be able to do something, that for those that see the issues in society and are aware of the fact that they can change this, that society is definitely not static, um, it's an opportunity to provide young people with the resources they need to go out and make that change, whatever it is that they believe that change needs to be. So as for whether or not it's a pull or a push, I would definitely say that it's kind of in in between. It's the ebb and flow of a tide.
1: Go on, please. I want to develop something, uh, just an example I want to give, that coming from the developing world it's difficult for people in Cameroon to vote, Mm -hmm. for instance, you know. They're crying, they're dying, they can't even protest, they can go and walk and march for, for their voting rights. But in the U.S., I hear young people say all politicians are the same. Mm-hmm. No, all, all politicians are not the same. And then that's where activism starts. You know, you need to study any politician, study the program. You just don't vote for somebody because he's sexy. No, right. you have to study, you have to read what the idea of the person is, whether that person's sitting on a wheelchair, whether it's woman transgender, or whoever, you know, you have to study what they say. If they have something, they're bringing something that can empower the society so the citizen can live better, you know, so that's where activism starts. And it's not a word that people should be ashamed of, you know, being activist is not a word that, you know... Take example of Martin Luther King. He went to prison from challenging laws because something can be a law. It
0: doesn't mean it's fair. It doesn't mean it's just. And this is where activism starts. See, the, the, the phrase that you mentioned... When you hear young people saying, you know, all politicians are the same is, uh, I would suggest, comes from a disempowerment of young people right. who I think are reclaiming their empowerment, particularly in this country. And Harvey, as a, a young adult yourself, you know, what's that like? What is it? Is is that a correct way of looking at it, that there is? As far as I see, at least, and I'm, you know, a lot older, as far as I see, there's a sort of institutionalized, you don't know what you're doing, right? right? You don't have the world experience. So be quiet until you've grown up with the big people and become really <laughs> cynical and then you won't affect change. But it seems that there is a shift in this country where the young people are saying, no, we've got a good idea and we're deliberately disagreeing with you because you became old and cynical. Is that where you are or or, or your peers or are you somewhere else with this?
2: That's an excellent point. There definitely is a change in the attitude of young people towards politics with that regard. Um, I know many people who are who still feel that they are um, uh, unable to do anything because of their age or that they, they lack the experience to go out and voice their opinions. Um, but on the contrary, there's an equal number and far greater, I would argue, um, that – are of the opposite opinion, that we're younger, that's why we need to take things back. I mean, this is the world that we're gonna, going to inherit. We need to be able to actualize what it is that we want it to look like. Um, so I, I'm definitely in a very fortunate position. I have grown up with people that have supported me every step along that way. And I'm hoping that with this program I'm working on, that I can support other people who want to go out and actualize that. So this this Make
0: Change program that you're you're both helping with the the first session was on Martin Luther King Day and the second session is going to be on Presidents Day. Right. Uh, and the the choice of Martin Luther King you've already mentioned him. And I wonder and, and I understand this is obviously a bit of projection, but when Martin Luther King was a, alive, the civil rights movement brought a lot of promise to America. Right. And I wonder from your perspective, maybe before we take a break, do you think that promise has been fulfilled? And, and the projection is, what do you think he might think of today's America?
1: Uh, that's a very interesting question. Um, before I answer the question, I also have to say that I am being honored in this town to be the second vice president of NAACP, Santa Fe local branch. That's me. Wonderful. Thank you very much for my <laughs> colleague who, trusts, who put that trust on me. I would like to say that if Martin Luther King was here today, he would be very surprised about what's happening in the country. Because his struggle, um, you know, his vision is not what he thought it would be today. Mm. And I think uh, also by the evolution of the society, we have seen because there's so much polarization and so much marginalization. Because I think the society in the U.S. haven't done the right homework, you know, something like truth and reconciliation mm. process nationally. Some communities have already started doing these things, but it's not national in national level, and um, and then I think he will be very surprised to see what's happening because there are more racism now than before him, and even after eight years Obama in office, we have seen a very high increase of racism mm-hmm. to today. And every day what I see in the web
2: is very worrisome. Right. So that that's my take.
0: Right. Thank you.
2: I definitely agree with you, Issa. Um, one one thing that I definitely and even though i can't speak to what martin luther king jr's uh, opinion today would be i it definitely i'm not sure if it if astound is the correct word but it disturbs me the level of voter suppression that there still is in the united states of america and i think that that is definitely one of the sticking points of where the national legal changes aren't what they need to be
1: and I'm going to add something to say that I didn't come to America to seek for the same American dream that other people are seeking. Mm -hmm. I came here because my American dream is free speech. I found it. And also being... um, so taken by all this energy because the, the reason why I like America so much is because the society never boring, you know. So there's right. action all the time. Something always coming up. But um, And I don't wake up in the morning living like a black person, you know, because uh, I was born in a monoracial society, in mm-hmm. African mm-hmm. society, and then they always taught me that, you know, any human being, it doesn't matter how they look, how they pee, how they make love, they're humans. Right. And now I've been bombarded by just looking as a person of color every morning, that's amazing to me because I didn't discover racism racism until I came to America, real one. So it's like a new... It's not a challenge, but I see it with a lot of curiosity, you know, and it's, my approach to racism is very different than black people who were born here. So I am just here to fill up the gaps and help people see things differently, you know. And I think also that spirituality helped me a lot because I came from... Three religion backgrounds, you know, and this carries me as a human, as a person in the society. So I don't have to live like a black person, even though there are black issues, you know.
0: And I, I obviously, from my accent, people can tell, you know, having come from England, <laughs> I, you know, I'm an outsider and love right. this country and yeah. can see ways to help this country move it forward. It makes the discussion right.
1: also very, very melting pot. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> so we're, we're going to take a, a quick break um, and um, we're going to return after a break to talk about the most pressing social issues that you think exist in America today. So you're listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich on KSFR with my guests, Harvey Guinness and Issa Niafaga, and we'll be back just after this break. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Uh, My guests this evening are Harvey McGuinness and Issa Niafaga, both uh, social justice uh, activists uh, in this country um, and working on a program called Make Change to empower younger members, younger individuals in Santa Fe. And um, so I know in this Make Change program, you're going to be looking at differing social issues and, and helping them decide Um, what they think are the most pressing without um, you necessarily imposing your opinion on that group what do you personally feel are the most pressing social issues in america today let's start with harvey
2: for social issues specifically um I, i want to call back to voter suppression as one of the key points um primarily because the the Ability to vote is one of the most sacred things in America. I really treat it like a duty and I'm going to be honored when I get to cast my first ballot. Um, So I think the idea that any group of people would be prevented from that is just abhorrent. Uh, I was incredibly ecstatic when I saw the amendment that passed in Florida just recently, which enabled um, uh, felons Mm -hmm. in order to vote – provided that they complete their sentence and numerous other restrictions. But nonetheless, the re-enfranchisement of that group is astounding to me, and it gave me hope, really, with that regard. So voter suppression is something that I definitely have my eye on. Beyond that, there are other issues that I'm still looking at, things like um, uh, how easily people have access to weapons and the kinds of weapons they have access, the fact that our glow Uh, Globally, um, climate change is such a pressing issue. The fact that I'm going to live in a world where I can't even imagine what uh, the climate's going to look like, it's traumatizing, frankly. Mm. Um, Beyond that, there are still numerous other issues. Um, The fact that uh, transgender people are partially barred from um, engaging in the military. Uh, and all of the repercussions that that has societally, the fact that our government doesn't necessarily recognize a group of people purely on their sexual orientation or um, numerous other characteristics like that is also appalling. So that's just what comes to mind.
1: Well, I think um, there is a lot of uh, uh, discrimination here.
2: And I don't have a
1: specific issue that I can point out, but um, as a black person, that's one of the difficult ones, you know, um, to see that there have been over 300 years of slavery. There was not any discussion about mm-hmm. that. You know, it's like a big elephant in a room, mm-hmm. not only regarding black people, brown people, and people who were here before and a lot of complaints. And then those also who are trying to be just a citizen and make you through the end of the day, are being bullied by those who thinks you know like the society belongs to them and something like that. So there have not been discussion between all these uh, groups and connection. And I also think that it came from um, how the mindset of society is. And this is why my um, work at Make Change Project is going to be focusing on is personal development mm-hmm. because I think when people decided to victimize victimize other people or discriminate them then they have skill problem they're insecure they don't know who they are because if somebody say i don't like women mm-hmm. that probably that person probably don't like gays they don't like also other minorities because they already hate in your heart
0: to say that you think- so Go, no, go, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, in, in, it, it reminds me, you know, I come from a rabbinic Jewish perspective. Sure. Uh, and in Judaism, we have this concept called tikkun olam, which took on a very social justice sure. term meaning to to repair the world. Sure. Um, and a lot of people talk about tikkun atzmi, you know, the repair of the self first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really interesting to hear, from my perspective, to hear you talk about. Engaging in social justice um, in a way that starts with the self yes, um, and, and assessing the yes. self. Yeah,
1: because the, the base of my philosophy is duality. You know, you don't gain. Co- if you don't love yourself, nobody will love you back. If you don't love what you do, nobody will love what you do. If you don't respect yourself, you bully people. Somebody will humiliate you. That's your back. So if you grow that, all that in positive way, it's going to come back to you. You know, so this is the focus of the website, uh, of the workshop. It means that it starts from us. If we're confident, we're trying to make ourselves better, be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we were the day before. Then we will be better people. And then from there, we're going to go and change the society. So changing the world comes from yourself. How do you change your own self to go change somebody else? Otherwise, we will never change somebody's mind or way to see
0: life if you don't change your own self. So let me ask because this is this is wonderful there's an assumption here and it might be a healthy assumption or correct assumption the assumption is that people can change Um, And, uh, you know, the the old saying about leopard can't change its spots. Right. Um, But you're working on the assumption that not only people can change, but must change, I guess. Right. So. So what does that mean for you? Let's go to Harvey. What does that mean for you in terms of what do you assume about people? Are people inherently good? Are people inherently evil, problematic? Or are people amoral and shaped by society? Can people change?
2: So yes, I <laughs> I definitely believe that people can change. It's one of the fun- fundamental core aspects of the Make Change workshop. But beyond that, um, in regards to whether or not people are inherently good or inherently bad or amoral, I truly believe that everyone is good and that from there on, it's whether or not they make good decisions. Um, every time a person comes across a fork in their life where they have the opportunity to make a good and a bad decision – Um, That doesn't necessarily mean that they're a good or a bad person. It just means that that was their decision in that moment. It's how you evaluate all of those over the course of their entire life. Um, But I don't think that there is such a thing as a good or a bad person. I think there are people who can make mistakes and who can make good or bad choices. But that does not necessarily um, determine whether or not they are good or bad.
1: Well, I think people are good because it was born good, but they taught you know, they can teach you good or they can teach you bad. Or they can teach you to, you know, see people in a very evil way or look at yourself and make you look other people down so you can think that you worth something. You know, that's what people, but I don't blame people because I also know that racism is full of fear. And a lot of ignorance, you know, because uh, you don't have to travel outside the U.S. to know cultures. Mm. All these people are here. This is why everybody came to the U.S. for. It. They came to look for happiness and then there's a lot of diversity. But it's unfortunate that the system is making us, dividing us, you know. And then we're also seeing people who get a very strong authority. We think they might be leader, but they're not leaders. You can be you can, you can have authority. It doesn't mean you're a leader. A leader is somebody who inspires. Mm-hmm. If you have power, money and guns, it doesn't mean that
0: that's power. That's just very superficial way to see power. So then let me ask you, because you're both so optimistic about the human condition, I guess, which is um, it, it's heartwarming Uh, and it's of course very easy for us in society to become very pessimistic you know news is sold on bad news that's how people buy headlines and and so on Um, when you're shocked when you when you see something occur uh, you know we don't have many good news stories but but you're deliberately saying no people are good let me go back to since again since the first session was on martin luther king day sure he said that the Moral arc of the universe is long, but it tends towards justice. justice. Do, do you think that's true? It is, because we have to keep hope. It doesn't
1: matter how bad things are. We need to get sleep. We need to eat and then go back to
0: change something in the society. But having hope that something is true is different to saying, no, I believe the world is getting better. I believe that it may take its time, but we're getting there. You know, Harvey, do you think the the moral arc of the universe tends towards justice?
2: I I would definitely agree with that um, because whenever something bad comes along in history, um, there are people that rise to challenge that. So in my opinion, as long as there are people, there will be a challenge to the injustices in the world and eventually that will prevail. I mean look at where we are today. There have been numerous demonstrations against current injustices in the world, the March for Our Lives, the Women's March, um, all of these different displays of justice as a value. And I think that that's already a victory, the fact that um, injustice inspires justice. Right.
1: And and when when Trump was elected two years ago, there was it, the thing thing was so bad that you know people were saying that oh this is the end of the world. Now, now after the, the last election, you s- you have these over one hundred women now in Congress. Mm-hmm. You know they're sharing power
0: with him. You know so. Um, is justice so let me ask? Uh, uh, well, let me let me share, I guess, a story. It reminds me that there's a, a, an old Jewish story of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible, which are destroyed for being such an unjust place. Sure. Um, and uh, it's said that Lot used to sit at the gates of Sodom telling people, You need to change your ways, you need to change your ways, you need to be better, and um. And people would come to him from the town and say, why are you doing this? You know, nobody's listening. And he would say, first, I did it so that I could try to change them. But then I realized I have to do it so that they don't change me. Sure. And I wonder if for you, uh, as we start to wrap up, what's the personal what are the personal challenges involved in social justice? Uh, What? Where do you have to hold that barrier and say no? I actually need to do this because it's the right thing to do for me, and hopefully it will affect others. But who knows? So, so what is it for you personally, being so engaged in such important transformative work?
2: I definitely want to point out first off that in that story you mentioned, uh, Lot says that um, I'm doing this so they won't change me. That rests on the presumption that people can change. Right. <laughs> um, right. So, uh, something I definitely agree with, but it, it it's definitely a callback um, to that point. As for why it is that I am engaged in this it's it's very much for the reasons articulated in that story. It's a way to keep myself hopeful. Um, to keep that spark alive essentially, to look, be optimistic and look towards the future, not away from it. Don't, um, it's a way to confront what's wrong with the world while simultaneously protecting myself from the issues in it. Um, go on the offensive. Uh, challenge what it is that you don't see, uh, challenge what it is that you see as being uh, against justice.
1: Well for me <laughs> for me it's already a second nature you know to change the world and I don't doubt about myself because I came from a very very poor community I walked to school when I was a kid and I grew up with large family so I have to change people and I also um has been very oppressed as an artist so I decided one day that you know I'm going to you know inspire my art to become something that is therapeutic so I paint my body to gain myself back because I went through depression after I was in prison. Mm. And now I offer that as a school for people, for, for kids, you know, because the best people I would like to change is children because I, also, I myself live like a child, you know. I don't live like an adult, you know. I play. I think life is just like a game, you know. You have to play. You have to live. It's a gift to be alive. So this is second nature for me. I don't doubt so I can change people that way.
0: This has been extraordinary and heartwarming and inspiring. And I, I really want to thank you both. Rabbi uh, Neil, it was a gift. Thank you very much. <laughs> so thank, thank you. you to thank Harvey McGuinness and to Issa Niafaga for your profound insights, for sharing your thoughts. I really hope your Make Change workshops um, uh, really continue, uh, uh, empower the youth of Santa Fe. I, I think it's a wonderful project. Thank you. Thank you. So you've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching.